This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Long from WashedUpEmo.com. Today we welcome Ian King, author of Appetite for Definition, the A to Z guide to rock genres. This book contains hundreds of genres explained, and as we will discuss, there's a way to jump around, learn about other genres by way of like-minded artists, genres and connect, and specific songs. I had the honor of being interviewed for the book, and you can guess which genre I was a part of. We talk a lot about genres in general, his take on emo, upbringing in Seattle, finding out about punk, and his amazing homemade emo shirt he was wearing during the interview. Once again, Appetite for Definition, the A to Z guide to rock genres. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Apologies on the month break. My day job got a little crazy. If you want to support the show and have more episodes, content, etc., please support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash washedupemo. Get the book. Appetite for Definition, the A to Z Guide to Rock Genres. It's awesome. This is episode 140 of the Washed Up Female Podcast with author Ian King. Ian, you have a shirt that says "No one knows I'm emo." Please tell me how you got that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it came it came about uh, freshman year of college in 1998. Um, my friend, it was I was hanging out with some friends, and one of them, uh, we were talking about how, or I was complaining basically that I couldn't find other people who are into emo emo or emo core because um, you just can't tell them by the way that they dress or at least you couldn't back then this is yeah, be- yeah. before all the fashion stuff from from the aughts where you could do you know, like the hair and everything so there's in 1998 though it's like medium-sized jeans medium-sized t-shirts neither too baggy nor too tight you know but everyone else you know it's like goths boom you can see them from yeah, yeah, yeah. punks you can see them crusty ska kids ska kids everyone can be identified <laughs> and so i was like yeah i was complaining i was like man no one knows i'm emo <laughs> and like a month later she showed up with this t-shirt made really for me. yeah yeah it's she, awesome she just thought it was funny and i'll have a photo for everybody to see <laughs> <laughs> so uh so your book is called appetite for definition the a to z guide to rock genres what about genres is exciting to you? I have been f- paying attention to genre stuff for, you know, almost as long as I've been reading about music. You know, when I was 13 or 14 and started reading music magazines, uh, the the idea of, of genres kind of intrigued me a little bit. And uh, I think 
you know, a lot of this gets talked about. You know, I don't know if they're as important now as they were then for for different reasons. Uh, I I think that they're actually as important and and also you they might even be used more now than than they used to be. They're they're both they're both more useful and less useful than they than they used to be. But but yeah, it's been since you know since uh, I mean, grew up in, uh, growing up in Seattle, uh, right around when grunge was blowing up. That was when I was about eleven. You know, years old, and there's this thing, and it's called grunge, and 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 it's huge, and everyone is paying attention to your city, and you're like, wow, what is this thing? And then, and then after that, you just you know, you start reading about other music, and and then there's there's Britpop, and there's alternative rock, and and all these and all these different categorizations. Just you know, some people some some people get obsessed with music. They read the they read the liner notes, they memorize the track list, they memorize the producers and things like that. I for some reason I was kind of into the categorization thing and and, wow. and, and camps. That and, early. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And I think and I think there was also some I th- I think as in, in, in those years in the nineties I kind of I think a lot of people do this, you know, they kind of they get a sense of I, I don't know if other people do this. I I think some do at least. They got a sense of identity mm-hmm. out of genre and yeah, you know, I mean, obviously with stuff like punk and and stuff like goth, you get an identity, but but I think any kind of genre could have given you a bit of identity. And I think, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people got a bit of identity out of emo core in the 90s too. And and you know, I know for me, I was, you know, every, things were kind of like these phases, you know, I went mm-hmm. from went from grunge and alternative rock to to Britpop for a couple of years and and then after that I got into emo and then after that I got into post rock and everything was kind of you know it was a different way of looking at what's ultimately you know similar strands of a very similar kind of music nothing's too really wildly different one from the other but these you know these divisions between them uh gave a sense of identity and and kind of you know character i guess to the made it kind of bigger than just being it's all just music Mm -hmm. which which i found interesting yeah so was that something that you like how were you because you were you know 11 or you were in seattle and this big thing was happening and you were finding out where these sort of bands were putting in genres where were you finding the information and how were you were you did you have a notebook and were you like chronicling things or how were you how were you organizing it in your head uh, ba- basically, I had a steady diet of music magazines. I think it probably started with, um, yeah, probably free, you know, like Pulse was free in Tower Records back then. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Tower Records, Sorry. for anybody who doesn't know, is a record store. There's one in Japan. Go when you're over there. Go get it. Go see it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's great. It's great. It's one great store now. Yeah. Uh, so there's Pulse. Uh, in Seattle back in the day, there was a, a very, very much beloved uh, bi-weekly, yeah, every two weeks music magazine called The Rocket, uh, which started in the early 80s and went all the way until the early 2000s before before it, it came to a stop. But that was great. That was, um, you know, just the idea that your own city could have its own music magazine was was really cool. Um, and And yeah, and then after that, uh, yeah, you just start noticing all these other magazines on the record stands, and and everyone has an editorial voice that's different, and but they're all kind of talking about the same thing, and and you kind of draw comparisons between the two, and who's talking about what, and and yeah, it kind of just started to map together, I guess, in my head about who was this kind of band, who was that kind of band, and where they stood in relation to one another, and yeah, yeah, things like that. That's cool. Now with genre too. 
I mean, so many people are against it and bands are we're not this we're this or they were called emo and now sorry we're an indie rock band now or i'm sure grunge they were like no we're or they were a metal band i think do you does a band have a choice and are they it's almost interesting where bands some some get free and they like they get pushed off and they were an emo band but no 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 they're indie rock and it could be a tour it could be one press outlet but it's interesting how a genre could stay with a band or it can they can jump off it yeah yeah i think you know these things get assigned pretty early on or at least they you know they they did as you know, genre itself is and and genre labels have have developed along with the music this whole time too so these you know this this plague of categorization wasn't necessarily the the of the same concern in like the 70s uh you know started kind of more in the 80s and then by 90s it became this real thing and you know yeah aside from punk rock heavy metal and maybe a couple others yeah most bands and artists you know have kind of been like we're not that you know we don't want this categorization it's limiting and it's and that is a completely absolutely understandable stance from 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 a commercial point of view you're trying to sell records having having you know falling into a category allows people to be like oh i don't like that kind of music therefore i shouldn't go check out this band um so so yeah from an artist's point of view uh completely legit uh reasoning for not wanting that sort of stuff to follow follow you around um from a fan point of view, it's 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 actually kind of helpful. I mean, especially now, um, you know, fast forward to now on the internet, where there are so many websites and so many different kinds of bands and so many labels. You know, most websites you'll see will kind of put a handy little tag in front of every single band name, you know, like Dream Pop, Dream yeah, Popper yeah. is this, or you know, <laughs> Funk Metaler is this. You know? And it's and and you know, in that regard, it it has the opposite effect. You're not you're you're not seeing that and and writing them off. You're seeing that and being like, oh, okay, that's the kind of thing I'm into because there are just so many names out mm-hmm. there and so many outlets to see them that it can be overwhelming. And you know, otherwise, you might if it's just the band name and you don't know, you, you know, how are you going to stick around for the whole story if you don't yeah. know you might be interested? And then, so if people, do you think? Did you ever think that they would be like genres would ever like go away or like they've also changed like the meaning of a one if you say rock to somebody they're going to think one thing or you say heavy metal to somebody it's just interesting how it gets sub it gets subgenred but also the word or the sorry the genre itself could change based on something that happened in culture or it's all really, really fluid. If you, uh, it, yeah, the the meaning, that's the word. Thank you. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's fluid, and it and it and it's been developed, and it's not just changing recently. I mean, if you go back and read, you know, the, like some of the first books written about rock music, it, you know, like they'll describe people like Eddie Cochran as like hard rock. Yeah, yeah, like that, like that, that, that will be hard. Yeah, Elvis made hard rock, like, and that's what they were writing back in the late sixties. Yeah, you know, the, the these things are like. Yeah, and and so the idea of what hard rock is has definitely changed over time. The idea of of what heavy metal is is has definitely changed over time. A lot of these terms, they 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 might have origins that that go back a while, but but the understanding of them, there there and there are two different you know ways to look at them. Understanding wise, see, there's there's kind of like a general press consensus 
and there is there is like the individual's understanding of genre and and there uh, you're not wrong if you think that you know what this genre is that because it's not written in stone and most of the you know, most of the bands don't want these labels anyways so it's 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 the, mo- the most you can get with with genre and genre labeling is kind of a general gray area of consensus where people are like here's kind of what this is mostly, but it's really and then they change on the third record and gets thrown out the window. Right, right, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly, yeah. The band, you know, they released their their you know, whatever. Album. They stayed in the, the studio too long. Album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do their they they try to do okay, okay computer and they and then they make something completely different and then they're but yeah hey maybe it launched them out of the out of the genre that they didn't yeah, want to be a part of exactly so. I think the fluid part I didn't think about you're right and also the fan versus the band and also the the press and how each of those sort of fluid go back and forth and I mean I'll bring up is this band emo dot com you know as a that was me trying to put a stake from the perception of what was emo. Here's what I think. But when people yell at me, I go, you can believe whatever you want. If you think they're that, then go crazy. I just wrote a funny joke about a band and put it on a website. There's hmm. no validity to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I, you're right. I'm the fan and I did that. But the press might think something or a kid that just started listening to him has an opinion and they're all valid. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, you know, I read it was sometime this year, I'm, I'm, and I can't remember exactly the site, but I remember specifically there was something on a music website, a, a, a pretty big one, and it was, you know, it described Yola Tango's music in the 1990s as shoegaze, and that's that's a you know, if you're if you're like a young music fan now, I, I, I get what they're saying. But that was not the way that they were understood back in the nineties. Yeah, you know, uh, they, Yellow Tango were—you <laughs> would never characterize Yellow Tango as a shoegaze band back in the nineties, um, or but maybe some people did. I but I never—I never heard that. Never heard that whatsoever. But somebody now is hearing that music and they're hearing shoegaze, and that's totally valid. You know, it's you know, so. You think time hearing. is also would so in? I think time fixes things over a while. Like, you can look back and then say, wow, woof. You know, like, I mean, the hair metal stuff. How is that now seen when it was supposedly, you know, the greatest thing? Now it's like, a, a okay, yes, there's some great songs. I loved Warrant. You know, I loved some of those bands. But that, I don't know if that's a better, best good example, but I feel like that had a moment. And now in 2018, it's looked back on as, well, wait till grunge killed it. Mm-hmm. Hair metal is definitely one of those amazing uh, phenomena of, of of their time, and and yeah, looking back, it do, you are kind of like, gosh, how on earth did that happen? Like that is what what confluence of 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 just social attitude and and positioning and what you know, what people were into created this, yeah, this yeah. Whole thing, and and it's fully it is fully explainable if you kind of dig into it. You know, there there are elements of different kinds of things like glam and 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 heavy metal and hard rock kind of coming together and and it was really catchy mm-hmm. and i mean you can like you really the songs themselves you know like the roots of the songs the melodies 
It's really hard to argue with how catchy those if are. If those were out now by somebody else, like the choruses or even the I still think they'd be hits. If they were played yeah, if they were played differently and, yeah. and the and the it's the decoration around them. Yeah. You know? And I don't just mean decoration like the clothing in there. I mean I mean the way that they're played you know, the, 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 the you know, the distortion on the guitars, the way that they're played, the kind of effects and, yeah, and, yeah. and the production. I mean like eighties production values are so of that's why you know you say eighties production values people know what you're talking about you know that big echoey you know sound that people just don't do anymore because it's so now locked in that era um but at the time it was huge and it spoke to a ton of people but it sounded good <laughs> and, it, and it did sound good like the recording of it yeah like it wasn't like a it wasn't a garage you know recorded in the garage it was they they did that in the studio and it the the sound ping-ponged and it just you felt like wow they really <laughs> yeah and it wasn't an yeah an eighties production values weren't just limited to to those kinds of bands. I mean, yeah, you know, like uh, take uh, Wire, you know, the po- the post punk band that they had a whole phase in like the late eighties, early nineties, where some of their records totally have those same kinds of values. I think they sound great. You yeah, know, those records sound great, and the songs are great. But you know, everyone it was like everyone was kind of doing this. <laughs> everyone was making these big records. But but yeah, I think the bones of the songs underneath those. You could totally a, a, a different kind of rock band today could totally yeah. You know, that's why that's why bands do cover those songs and then they do turn into like successful yeah. You're up, right. You could be hits. a cover and then you turn into the yeah. next thing. That's really cool. I want to go back to just Seattle because I'd forgotten about that you grew up there during that era. It is a, if anyone listens to the podcast, I've mentioned before like you know Nirvana. I literally saw the video and went to the record store or went to the music store to get a guitar. Like it was that impactful mm-hmm. like it just i had to and being there and being in that moment and there was a i think you had seen i'd found some footage on some mtv b-roll did i ever tell you about this no there's basically my other favorite band's helmet you can see the flyer poster up there oh, yeah. like, i love them yeah, a friend yeah. works at mtv they this is a really quick story but it comes back to seattle and it's interesting because where where it goes to but basically i said I love Helmet. She's like, I work in the archives. Why don't I just put everything on a VHS tape for you of their stuff that's nice. in the archive? So it outtakes from 120 Minutes when Helmet was on. Mm. A live show with Ministry at Roseland. And then there was a show in Seattle. Oh, yeah? But I only have Helmet. And I only watched the VHS, the Helmet performance, and I was like, cool, cool. Years later, I'm ripping them to get rid of them at my parents' house. I'm ripping them to digital. Mm. And I come back down. I'm like, why is this still going? The show is only, oh, my God. There was MTV Helmet open for Nirvana at the Key Arena on their show, Homecoming Show. Oh, nice. MTV interviewed the fans outside. Mm -hmm. And that was the B-roll that was left on the tape. And he interviewed his mom, relatives, fans. But what was cool is... Certain fans were like, Nirvana's cool, but we really li- live Grunt Truck and you know mm. all these other bands, and mm. we love Mud Honey. It was just cool to see like people accepting it, but also saying like Seattle's got so much cool shit that's not that. And I loved that about 
that moment for Seattle because it was like they loved that they were getting to that point, even when it was during Nevermind. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. were still like, we got so many cool bands. And I just, I was fascinating, fascinated with the city. And that only solidified it three years ago when I finally found that tape or four years ago um, to have that happen. So being there, was why was it such like a, was it because it was isolated? Uh, geographic isolation does have a lot to do. With I know that was a long intro. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun time to think about for sure because, I mean, like I said, I was about yeah. I mean, I was eleven when Nevermind came out. Um, I you know, and I had grown up generally music musically aware. My dad was was into music, and so there was always music in the house growing up. Some local stuff, um, and you know, because it hit that young. And all you know, and all of a sudden you're watching TV, and you know your your city is on TV. All of a sudden, you know, like I was, you know, the 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 next year I was in a movie theater with my older sister watching singles, singles on the big screen. Like, you know, there there's my city in a movie, and it was like, oh yeah, of course. Like it's just like this is just the most natural thing in the world. For my my city is famous. My city is in my city is in movies. My yeah, city yeah. Is every popular band in the country right now is is coming from where I live, and it. I, I just was like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is totally natural. As, but, as 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah, 11, 12, 13. It's like, yeah, of course, this is, of course this city is yeah. really popular. I'm in, the, I'm in the center of the universe. Uh, but no, it's totally, you know, only later did I realize, oh, yeah, no, it's not. This, it's like really far up in the corner, and it has a history of being, you know, a, a lot of garage rock uh, from the 60s, you know, like Kingsman and the Sonics. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we had that moment in the 60s. And and we we're yeah we were a total hotbed of garage rock and then yeah not really all that much for twenty years at least on a you know major scale um, and yeah and then the whole sub pop thing slowly you know and all these other bands whether they were on sub pop or not and yeah by the time everyone paid attention there was a whole it was almost like it gave time for it to cultivate yeah. And so I think that's what led to a lot of local people being defensive, like, no, this isn't one or two bands. This is a whole thing. We're all, you know, really proud of what's going on here. And even even the small bands are worth paying attention to. You know, they're just not big yet. Um, and it led to, uh, you know, and there was kind of an early backlash, too. I mean, Seattle was probably over it before everyone else was. And, you know, by 95, 96, you know, yeah, by ni- ni- even 94, you start getting... Yeah, the indie rock thing starts coming in. You're right. Like, Built to Spill becomes, like, that sort of becomes the sound of, of Seattle. I mean, there was this whole, like, indie pop. I, I don't I don't know how many people outside the city were paying attention, but there was a whole indie pop thing that went on in, like, 90, yeah, about 95, 96 with all these bands um, that were putting out these great little pop seven inches, and people were just pushing this grunge thing, like, so far away. And they didn't, I don't think as a city, people quite knew... There, there, I mean, there wasn't some organized identity in the first place. Grunge was never our creation. It was, you know, it was kind of something that was perceived about the city. So I think there was, we knew that we were wanted to get away from that, but it's not like there was an identity of, oh, what do we do next? So yep. it, kind of, it kind of went in different directions. And so there was, you know, indie rock became a thing. And, and a lot of those bands did end up getting, you know, Built to Spill and Moss Mouse and uh, others. They, they got bigger. And so that maybe kind of took over some of the identity, but there was a lot of stuff going on too. Yeah, I just think there was so much. Like you couldn't. It, uh, it was there. There was so much going on. I feel like you, you. There was bands that were getting popular, but you're right. The the city had like no. There's this other locals only night, and it's Tuesdays, and you should come. And what a cool. Th- I mean, it was very DIY. Mm. 
Yeah, I heard some statistic. It's this is totally apo- you know, probably apocryphal, but yeah, it was something like there were two thousand working bands in the city at some point in the late nineties, which for a city of that population was was quite a bit. It wow, went, it was sort of that whole like everyone here is in a band. <laughs> people were still, and even in the late nineties after grunge, people were still moving in from other cities to try and they you know, they thought that there was still some music industry you know to be had there and so people were still moving in like years later wow if nothing else just to kind of follow the grunge dream yeah late yeah a little late (laughs) it's a little late (laughs) that's really cool uh how many you know getting back to the book where did the original idea like the apex start was it there's no other books like this or you're like wait a minute i've been following this for a while i think i know what i'm doing yeah, it was probably a combination of those two things. It was sort of look, looking around and, uh, you know, because th- there are so many different kinds of books out there and there are so many different kinds of encyclopedias on, on music out there already. And I, But then I sort of noticed that, you know, amongst all these guides and encyclopedias that somebody hadn't done one that focused specifically on genre. Genre is definitely a part of other ones, but those all also, you know, all those encyclopedias, they'll have like major genres and then they'll also do things about certain bands and certain rock stars. And they're just kind of these broad, big picture things. And, and, and a lot of the times the point is like giant color photos and they're, you know, they're kind of these artifacts. And I, I, I kind of noticed that nobody had had a serious conversation about genre and just kind of, and it seemed at that point when the idea started that it was to me it seemed like a good time to kind of pause and take stock of of everything it was sort of you know not not even that long ago but like you know it's like if you know, like the early 2010s and like you know the chill wave thing had happened and maybe a couple other things and then it just sort of seemed like people weren't really creating the genres anymore you know there there was a big there was still a big surge in the 2000s as well there's like yeah, with blog rock, blog rock, whatever that was, and yeah, things like that. The Brooklyn stuff, which is yeah. still permeating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the the idea of like Brooklyn itself is maybe perhaps a genre. Um, and and and, but it seemed like nobody was really coining these terms with the same level of frequency. And it's sort of, yeah, you know, it seemed like oh, this is you know like fifty years in, you know, from the or fifty sixty years in from the from when it kind of started back in the in the fifties and. You know, here we are. It's like, hey, man, like maybe now is a good time to like add it up and kind of look at it and take stock of everything and and see where it's at. Uh, so, so yeah, that was basically the, the idea. How many did you have? How many genres did you have at first? And how many are in here now? I didn't count. The, I mean, yeah, the exact. I want to say the exact count is two hundred and sixteen, and that's about where I started with. I, yeah, I kind of yeah, it took a while to put together. I'm holding the book while I'm asking him a question like an asshole. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I, I have one in my bag. It's kind of all wrapped up, and I'm afraid of hitting the mic against something and creating a, a, a rough sound. Um, yeah, I want to say 216. It started with around 200, and it, and it and it did take a while to put the list to, uh, of what I wanted to cover in there together um, because there are tons more names than that i mean uh i think it's spotify has that website uh every note at once i'm, I'm forgetting exactly oh right 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 the spotify I, I know what you're talking about and that one has uh, i i think they have like 1500 different categorizations and you know most of those are are of even though i don't know how much they claim to have created but like so many of those are like 
really micro specific things that have been generated by them but there but there are still a tons of other things and so how many of them have post in front of it <laughs> like poster there there yeah there's a lot of like a deep oh deep, yeah deep, deep deep is one of the things which i'm still not entirely sure what that means <laughs> does that mean like crate digging or does that mean like i thought at first i was like oh that means like low endy like that's heavy. what i thought yeah but then it'll be like deep twee or something and, and then so wow. you're like oh wait what's that like what's deep <laughs> like there's no there's no bass heavy twee not that I'm that I'm aware of, um, and so yeah, so it's sort of okay. Okay, so this what you know, so you're like okay, on this end you've got fifteen hundred possible things, and then you know, and then some other things they might be like, oh, there's like fifty or you know, they're like they're just the big, you know, some places just talk about the big stuff and you know, like psychedelic rock and, mm-hmm. and the and the and the and the things that are very established. And I, the, I I wanted to get into the 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 lesser known genres and the and the minutia. Uh, but I also wanted to uh, make sure that there was like a real basis for it. You know, it wasn't just like one idea that one person had one time and you know wrote it down. This one thing, you know, I wanted. I it was something I had to be able to substantiate with bands or scenes or crossover with 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 bands and with um, yeah, with any kind of writing. Uh, and you know, if it's in a book, great. If it's in a magazine, great. But, you know, internet too, though. I mean, so much of the conversation about music has moved over to the internet. It's not in podcasting. Yeah, yeah, and po- yeah, and podcasting for sure. Yeah. So these are these are where you're gonna you know these terms are where you're gonna be found there too. I mean, you're not gonna find some of the smaller, more modern things in, in books or magazines just because I haven't been done, but, the, but they're just, they're just as valid as these things that were created back when, you know, print was a, was a bigger thing. And, you know, all it takes to make a genre legitimate is, you know, like you're talking about the passage, you know, time healing all things, you know, the, the different, you know, from being a joke to being a reality, a genre, the, the only difference is like time with, with rock genres. I mean, you know, I, w- one of the things that's, that actually surprised me in in the course of doing the book and writing about it was like folk rock is just as made up as as anything else it was a creation of the music press in 1965 all those bands hated it except for like Sonny and Cher I guess like they liked it maybe Um, (laughs) but like every band that was labeled folk rock hated the folk rock label thought it was a bunch of made up you know nonsense and and I was like wow you know because from where I sit folk rock is an entirely legit genre yeah. with like tons of bands taking it very very seriously for years and and so all these things have origins in these places and so yeah i think that yeah the internet's just as just a valid a place to get the the conversation started with these yeah and there you're gonna find that one that does have a community and it's on reddit or it's on this certain place or this website and it has cultivated people doing it in different cities and you're right you're not gonna find that no one's writing about that yeah yeah no yeah not yeah not in print <laughs> at least and then what were the was it was it tough to figure out which ones to because there's certain genres that have longer pieces and certain ones that are quicker or certain ones that are subsets of one what was the decision making behind that when when, when when people see the book you'll see that there's certain genres that have longer passages versus there might be a, just a line or something it was uh, a lot of it is a matter of how much is there to really say about uh, a genre to to convey the idea of it across in in writing 
Um, some of it does have to do with popularity. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot to write about with the heavy metal. There's a lot to write about with punk, punk, with, with post rock, with, with post punk, with all these, you know, there's, there is, there is just kind of more of a story there. Um, so, so that played into, played into it for fact. Um, if things, if things seem to kind of go together, then I, then I kind of yeah like there there's like a section on like kind of American born forms of music or there's a there's a there's a section on genres with jokey names uh, and and those are just sort of like oh well these these guys I can kind of put together and kind of tell a story of you know how genres get jokey names mm-hmm. and that kind of makes yeah you know, so service of like a narrative. Um, and also just, I mean, page constraints. I mean, you're talking. Oh about, yeah, you're right. You're How many? About two, yeah, two hundred sixteen genres. Yeah. If you if you I mean if you write two pages on each genre, that would be four hundred four hundred pages right there. Some some are going to need more than two pages to even like get into. Uh, you know, start doing the math. Start doing the math. You are writing an entire. <laughs> you're taking it upon yourself to write like an entire encyclopedia, and and some people have totally done that. There's there's a there's a, a Scottish writer Martin C. Strong. I hope I'm getting that right. Who does the great rock discography? Yeah, you know, God bless him. That's a huge huge book. It just I mean it's 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 the size of a coffee table and it's, wow. and it's massive. But that's not that. I just you know, I I don't have the lifetime to dedicate. <laughs> yeah. <to that. laughs> And then what I loved about the book, too, is if you're reading it, it's as if it's a friend telling you about it, but not only telling you about it, telling you the connections and telling things to listen to. And I thought that was really important. It wasn't just like, here's the genre moving on. You were you were doing you were talking about the bands, you were talking about songs, and then you talked about crossover, mm-hmm. which I thought was really important because you, that happens. You're into punk, but you know what? The crossover was also hardcore, and then it was also this. And mm-hmm. how did you, when did that come to fruition of like, I can connect all these too? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was early on in the stages of bouncing the idea off the first couple of people that I was working on it with. That was a that was a early suggestion. I'm not sure that I could take full credit for. I think it was something either created through that conversation or or otherwise. Um, but it became pretty clear, like, yeah, this should be a part of it because, uh, especially if I'm going to divide everything, you know, I didn't just want to divide everything up and then leave it like that because yeah. then that would be. That that's that's not that that's not really the message I wanted to send about genre. Like this is this, this is that, this is that. Okay, done. No more conversation. You know, like it, it wasn't supposed to end the conversation. It was My dumb to, website. It was supposed to start a con- <laughs> no. It was supposed to start a conversation yeah. and be, you know, and and yeah, that I mean, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like that that is a function of being a music fan. Is you 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 do get into other stuff. Like records do lead to other records, and they do eventually wander outside of whatever genre i mean i i've totally been like i'm into this and this only you know n- not recently but in as a growing up i was and i was like i'm into this and this only but then slowly you know like you know like when i was really into Britpop, it was like but then you start reading you know, you start reading all this good stuff about pavement in the british music press they love pavement back then so then i was like okay well i'll give pavement a try and then I get into pavement. I'm like, gosh, you know, like Crooked Rain is a great record. <laughs> this is a really, really great record, and I and I really just should, you know, I can be into this, and that's cool. And then you're like, you know, you know what's also good? Super Chunk. Super Chunk is also really good. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, and then you move, and then you move along, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, then you're into indie rock, and then you're into, and that's that's how it works. Whether you know, whether even whoever's recommending it to you, friends are recommending it to you, you read it somewhere, shows are recommending it to you, or you read it somewhere. Yeah. So so and and so. That had to be a part of it, you know. It wasn't like it read really. 
it read like that. It read like an open. It wasn't like my dumb website is this band emo. It's pretty closed. You put it in a band, it tells you what it is, move on. Well, that's the fun of it, though. That's the fun of mine. <laughs> what I like, this was more open as if you're reading it and then you're like, oh, cool, that genre. And then you can flip ahead to the genre you talk about. So if you're into emo and it says post hardcore like what if someone didn't know that and now they can click to that and then read it just it felt like you could go back and forth between things and almost if like a you know some sort of like not game but like you could almost hit all the genres while reading it i i didn't i didn't have like a a, a tack board big enough to map this whole thing out with like tacks and strings but that was like hopefully the idea i was trying to make enough different recommendations because because some you know one thing you'll find you know there's because there's only like three different genres at most recommended at the end of each section so so you there might have been more you'll definitely be like yeah there were some there could have been 10 but i sort of picked three and they weren't always picked because they were the most obvious some were some were totally picked because like hey these are the most natural ways to take it you know with some of the really niche stuff in heavy metal there's kind of no other way to, to take <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, to take it other than, you know, it's hard to go from like, you know, black, if you like Black and Doom Crust, then you'll really like, you know, Dream Pop or what. It, you can't. You, if some, you, I some, think some, that some one's guys, probably the end of the book. The end of the book is black metal. Some You're like, guys are good enough. Yeah. Some, some writers are good enough to make that jump. I didn't quite consider myself qualified to make those kind of jumps on other people's behalf. Um, but, but yeah, there, people might definitely look at it and be, and, and maybe that's where some of the debate would, you know, that's where people might be like, this book, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, because they'll be like, why didn't he recommend this? But, you know, three were picked for the sake of, you know, trying to get everyone around the board. And so getting the idea deeper. It could be, yeah, you, you could choose your own adventure, bounce your around. That's how I felt with around. it. It felt choose your own adventure. Yeah, that was hopefully the idea. Yeah, like choose your own adventure armed with like Spotify, like next to you on the computer. Or yeah. yeah, which is such a cool companion because when I had a Rolling Stone book and you're reading about all these bands, I didn't, you had to think or they were descriptive and now you have that right there. What a beautiful! It's almost like you have a you had a CD in the back of the book, mm, and yeah. it's it's there for everybody to. It's got that other piece of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. Po- I mean, this kind of book I think is probably only possible in that sense too. In the way that you know, if you put something like this out in the '90s, where some of these genres were such fringe concerns and only in the corners of. Yeah, I mean, some genres in the '90s I didn't hear about until years later, like power violence or something. Like, I when it was going on, I had no idea it was going on. If you didn't pick up the right magazine and read the right piece, you had no idea. So I didn't yeah. know about GoGo in DC until oh yeah, like years, years, I don't know, a couple years ago or something. And mm. of course, a friend, my friend from DC was like, "I told you back in college," and I wasn't paying attention. But you're right; you don't mm. if you miss it, and it wasn't in your peripheral, you're not going to know. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, you could put out a book like this back then and people might not even know half of what you're talking about. Whereas, whereas now it's like, what's this guy talking about? And then you could look it up really quickly. And yeah, yeah. It's like there. <laughs> and you can hear it and be like, Oh, okay, cool. And then yeah, go on seems, a path that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. with uh was um and then you I know you I think there was some like Spotify playlisting. I bet people are gonna make playlists off of this. Or you guys are already thinking about it. That would be great. Yeah, I've put together some kind of like starter lists or just kind of like, if you want to get into this, here's some stuff to get you started. And then, yeah, it's kind of like, take it take it from there, man. Go and go yeah, and yeah. around. Yeah, which is cool. Like, this is a way to help and start someone off or get deeper. Yeah. You know, if you thought you were into this, now there's this other thing. And that's all people want. 
Mm. Like most people that reach out to me, they're like, I'm into this. What else should I listen to? Or it's like this. Uh, it's an un- unattainable way. You can't listen to everything, but people, they, how great is that though? Mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. listen to everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's ab- absolutely impossible. <laughs> I, I tried. I, you know, I spent a year or so, a year, two years, three years working on this thing, trying to listen to absolutely everything. And I, I did the best I could, but there's just too much. Yeah. Um, and then, um, anything you had to really dig deep on, um, you know, did to find information like was there a genre that you really were like at zero, but you knew you had to, or not maybe zero, but you knew you had to do it? And wh- and who did you lean on the most when that was happening? Uh, I mean, some yeah, some things that just took some book research, or you know, I re- I reached out to as many people as I could, and I got I got great responses from great people, but but yeah, there wasn't, I didn't, I didn't. I, you know, there there were only so many hours in the day, and so many people you can talk to, and so certain genres I was kind of left to do research on. I mean, I, you know, grindcore was was not a a really big area for me. I was aware of it. I could have helped. <laughs> not me personally. <laughs> I know some fans are people so grindcore. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so yeah. So I just you know spent some time immersing myself in it. You know, and you know. Luckily, it is it is all there. So you spend time with it. I read I read like multiple books that talked about grindcore, including a, at least one book entirely dedicated to the history of grindcore. And wow, yeah, you kind of just you know it was it was very immersive. And uh, is that yeah. what it took? Like finishing a book or reading a bunch of those articles or listening? I know listening would be a part of it, but was that did because again these it's two pages, but I feel like you almost felt that. You you only had this limited amount of room. You needed to make it dense and worth that those those pages because you knew that's all you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 you want a human. You know, you got to get the human story too. I mean, anybody can read a description of of what something sounds like. So you know, there's you definitely you want to convey that. You want to convey what it sounds like in writing, but you also do want to tell. You know, give a little bit of like the history, and yeah, you know, the history of grindcore is actually pretty interesting. It's not, it's not that huge, but it's but it's pretty interesting. And and you know, the the more you find out about, it, the more you're like, oh, okay, and, and and you get it more. You know, when you when you you know do the research and you talk to people and you listen to it and you kind of like, oh, okay, I I get that. Hearing these stories and then hearing the music mm-hmm. that, that came out of you know these stories, and you're like, oh, it 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 adds to the understanding of of where music comes from, and that's with with every genre, really. There is a story behind it. Oh, yeah, always a story behind it. Even even if there's a story behind that kind of music, even if that that genre label themselves they don't like. I think grindcore, they were fine with grindcore. I don't think that they had any problem yeah. being called grindcore. <laughs> No, no one's got a problem with yeah, that. No one, no one's. Gonna, yeah, no grindcore band is going to feel like and like we're not grindcore. <laughs> yeah, we're we're grind gore. Or yeah. whatever it's you know, or yeah. whatever it is. We're uh, deep grindcore. We're deep grindcore. We're deep. Melo- yeah, deep melodic grindcore. <laughs> Someone's I, making that genre right now. I, I no, I saw. I swear, I saw that on the website. There was something like it was like deep melodic death metal i was like i thought the whole point of death metal was to not be melodic i was like how could you, be, they have the intro they always have melodic. the one minute intro yeah yeah you're right yeah there's and the, then they get into it yeah yeah no there, there could be there, there could be the melodic points but i'm like you're like how when death metal started it was like <laughs> were they were they really thinking like let's make some really melodic yeah let's get melodic <laughs> here now i wrote this great chorus yeah you know? <laughs> who did you lean on when you were trying to like navigate or find something was there was there 
was there an editor friend or was there somebody that you felt uh you mean in terms of like researching yeah just kind of everything Uh, i was pretty independent most of the time um you know like i said i mean i interviewed about 30 30 different people that i just sort of you know like i had like i started with a list of like maybe i I just put together a list of maybe you know 200 people i wanted to talk to and then kind of narrowed that down and then and then approached you know then kind of and it got kind of more and more narrow and ended up you know talking to 30 people and uh and then talking to other folks and uh and then yeah just kind of a lot of research a lot of time at the yeah on the live in the libraries and and so you're and in the bookstores library card and the internet those were the people you Li- leaned on library card internet uh <laughs> yeah some really some really cool people who gave who gave their time to to talk about stuff and uh yeah cool yeah, was- i had a blast talking about you know emo and screamo mm-hmm. in the book um and i know those were those were two ones that you had and i just thought the the because it was so misrepresented, it, it was great that you sort of talked about that in that section. And also, I think it really gave the full history of it, which I hope people, you know, get out of it, which is why I, why I live. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, you know, and I, I'm biased. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here wearing a shirt that says no one knows. I mean, I, I, I clearly am biased towards, towards yeah, there's, yeah, there, it was, um, but there's a there is a really it it has a it's ha, it has a very unique story among other genres that not uh, not many other genres have in terms of its ups and downs and its segments and its life cycles, um, and I just I, I it's not you know the, the cartoonification of it or or certain aspects of it just don't tell that whole story and I think that to understand. To understand the part that people latch onto, you you still have to go back and, and read the whole thing. You know, it's it's something where you, you do kind of have to know the whole thing to kind of get to grips with like how it developed and and where, why it got where it was. Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly why it got where it was. And it, it's a really fascinating story. I mean, from from being this little spark within a whole other scene with with yeah, like kind of a jokey name, but then that. That, that like DC that, starting in DC, yeah, yeah. But then that, yeah, that jokey, you know, like your your emo core or whatever it is, or in Thrasher magazine, whatever the exact, yeah. You know, I know it's it's not entirely clear which one of those points started, but yeah, you know, it it is kind of like it's almost derogatory. But then it sticks around. It's fascinating that that term stuck around because back in like the eighties and early nineties, these you know this is before the internet. Things didn't live forever, so the fact that it hung around that long. Even though even though those band those few bands went away, the term somehow hung around and then got thrust back onto bands like what like six years five six years later yeah you're talking you know ninety you know ninety two ninety three is like Jawbreaker ninety three is like Sunny Day start coming up and but the term had survived and you know latched onto them and those guys were fans of those, those totally bands. so. So there, there. You know, it, it wasn't just like the term survived and went somewhere else. There was an actual thread there. It was there was space between, but it but it lasted on, and then it turned into this thing, and then people picked up on it. Yeah, zines are getting more widespread, and you know, people are communicating more, and, and so it becomes this thing, and then it kind of has a sound. But then all the, all the bands in it kind of start doing different stuff. Yeah, you know, like the Promise Ring of of ninety three ninety four is totally different from the Promise Ring of ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah, like not totally different, obviously, but you know, very emergency and, and thirty degrees everywhere are, are quite different records. You know, and, and their last record, right? Wood Waters is completely again. I keep saying completely, not completely different, but you know, it is it is significantly different. And you know, these 
it it kind of has and a lot of the influences too which which come up a lot on your podcast that's one thing i think is is, is great about and one thing that i a thing i love listening to is hearing uh some of the bands these guys are into and and it kind of confirms things that that i kind of hearing some of the you know, like hearing um uh is is uh, chris from from mineral is that who you talk to mm-hmm. um you know him, what what he was saying about the Catherine wheel and, and chrome i was like i was like yeah i knew it yeah like chrome is such an emo like yeah it's not emo but it's not emo core but it's like it is i mean it has songs on it called like pain and i confess i mean like it's it's you know it is a you know british 1993 like kind of equivalent of, yeah. of that um eric richter talking from christy front drive talking about buffalo tom buffalo tom yeah yeah like which, i i got it when he told me this is what i listened to it, i was like I get it. Mm-hmm. What he's doing, like it, it was cool to see, but then you're right. It it that word was like here, and it somehow survived. And yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and so you get in the in that era, it kind of it it, it expands from hardcore. It kind of it kind of blows up and takes on these different influences because all these guys are feeling all this different stuff, and so it it expands and becomes as the word as the word becomes more prominently used, it kind of becomes less easily definable as a sound and 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 then it's sort of you know and it's had these waves you know and it kind of expands and contracts and expands and contracts and the, and and the term keeps getting applied and it and it and it and there is a lineage there but yeah it's and so and and here we are now like it's it's still a thing that gets used it's still <laughs> there's an article now that emo rap is blamed for the opiate uh is that how you say it opiate Opi- yeah, opioid, opi- opiate, opioid. I don't do drugs. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that it's like some, you know, they blamed emo rap for that. Like partly, I, think I saw that. But yeah. it's, that's now a thing that I don't understand. But it's being applied to that. They're talking about it about country. They're talking about it. The word somehow is there emo country now? Oh, okay, there's a whole meme right. about it. Oh, okay, but cool. like that. But it's interesting that trust me, I get the I get the yes. four words as soon as it comes <laughs> out. Uh, but it's interesting that you know. I have a push-pull with it where mm. I want someone to understand that it's not just that and there's a deeper thing to it and the story is cool. But it's interesting that that word still stays alive and it morphs because if you say metal to somebody, mm. they're going to think one thing. Yes, they might think Iron Maiden. They might think Mastodon. But it's still mm. – but for some reason, emo kind of – like people can just put it on anything. Yeah, yeah. And it could be yeah, and it could be it could be different depending on uh, which bands from which eras you attach that term to, and and yeah, nobody is nobody is wrong in the sense that you know you heard that term at that time attached to those bands, that's your idea of it. You know, you didn't plant that idea in your head yourself; like somebody helped you into that yeah. understanding of it. But yeah, you know my you know my understanding of it and somebody else's understanding of it could be completely different. And yeah, uh, emo rap, emo country. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, these things are new. Let's give them a little bit of time, I guess. Yeah. To, but again, to it goes develop. back to the time. Like, does it continue? Does it stop? I think what's interesting about the pop era of emo is that it did end. Yeah. Yeah. It was saturated. Yeah. It was overly used. It was, and then it kind of went dormant and then came back again with the revival. It's just, it was interesting that that pop era had that moment too. Mm. That was, I, same like you being in Seattle being like, mm. oh my God, these, I'm watching a movie about my town. I was that way with like the band I just saw is now on or at the CBs is now at MTV. Like what? Like yeah. it didn't process. Yeah, totally. Well, that and that's where 
that's where genre and you know movement uh you know like a movement or a commercial movement kind of inter- intersect and you know genres end up getting defined by these periods of commercial popularity um which you know did you find that in other genres Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not like people stopped making grunge music in 1994, 95. You're right. I meant not fine, but was it so similar to emo that it sort of had that moment and it's remembered for that thing? Oh, I guess guess you're right. If a band says we're grunge, they're just going to think Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Mudhoney, Melvin's. Right, yeah, people, you know, like, uh, you know, Shoegaze. uh, Love Shoegaze. Never never got (laughs) as huge as you know like as emo in the early as the, in the early aughts did um you know but it, it had its moment especially in in the uk um and then it had a kind of a slow it kind of moved over here and had a slow burn because it was a bigger press concern in the uk it kind of you know got track you know it was it was it was a thing it was celebrated and then it was trashed and then everyone's like okay well we're not going to do that anymore because the press has just kind of made it this untouchable thing which is really too bad because a lot of those bands were doing great and they were actually they still would have made great records i feel like they were under kind of like pressure from the from the industry and people around them to kind of stop making that kind of record or there was just too many other people jumping on the bandwagon and, and it's really too bad because you, you hear you, you're like gosh he had a few good records i but fortunately now some of those bands have gotten back together and they are releasing new records but you know the germ of it kind of like the germ of emo kind of spread out around the country from dc the germ of shoegaze kind of floated over and started with you know little bands here and there on the east coast like lilies and uh, swirlies and it eventually made its way over to you know Seattle. Actually, had a bit of a shoegaze scene. Wow! Late, in the late nineties, we were kind of not on like the you know because this was late nineties, so we weren't on like the forefront of anything. But yeah, totally. There were bands like Voyager One, the High Violets, and so at a time when it was like years commercially dead and nobody cared. There anymore, was a like, little scene. All of a sudden, yeah, you know, leave it to Seattle being way over there to like finally catch on. You know, it's like ra- you know, like rave was like going strong in 2001 over there still. You know, like we're, we're always kind of you know back then we were like the last of the party on some things that were coming. From, you know, that coming, is interesting. Coming, coming from east to west, we were always kind of like the last to get stuff. It's it's interesting you talk about that about like the you know DC kind of having this little thing that goes up in the air and then someone takes it from the from the UK and it comes over to the US. But being in a small town, you might find out about that two years later mm-hmm. and then a whole city gets into it but then maybe something new comes from it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That ha- because yeah. it's separate from when it hit yeah yeah to- oh yeah you hear stories like that a, a lot you know like bands like bands from small towns are like yeah, you know, like they'll even say in interviews, like, "Yeah, I didn't get the news that this genre was over." <laughs> so here, so I love this music, and I worked on it for five. And even six with years. the internet, yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Even with the internet, so yeah, you know, so here I am, late to the party, and then I then I spent years writing my songs, and now here I am, just in time for it to be cool again in the ten year cycle thing or whatever. <laughs> and the, and then that band is huge. It's like no, at the time they started doing that, they were they were lame. Yeah, you know, like whatever they were doing was kind of lame. And I think. Yeah, so Shoegaze went through like this thing in the in the late '90s, early aughts, where there were a lot of bands around the U.S. doing it, but people weren't really paying attention to it. And and even though it was like growing, it wasn't a huge concern. It's yeah, only, it's only been in the last ten years, I think, that you know people have that that it started. And then now, of course, like you know, slow dive 
sold out Brooklyn Steel like what two three nights or something like, yeah like they, you know these guys come over and they they have, and it's and it's amazing to see it's amazing to see them play like after all this time yeah together and, and record albums that are every bit as good as the ones that they were releasing in the nineties I love that when that happens mm-hmm. a band get, it sticks around long enough to enjoy what should have happened when a genre of that they had been a part of is now bigger yeah. Yeah, she 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 in particular for me is is like kind of like the big redemption story among all the genres in that way. Like it's just, you know, it's it's a beloved term. It was always beloved among like fans who who kept the flame alive, but that was like a small group back then. But now it's like it's 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 a, it's just fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with the term. Everybody everybody uses it in like a nice positive way. It's yeah, like unlike emo. Yeah. There will be there will be a final full redemption. I you know. You think so? I'm try I I I tried to do my part. <laughs> if anyone I'm not going to give away secrets, but please go to the Screamo select uh entry first. <laughs> go to the Screamo part of the book first and then and then travel on. Yeah, yeah. Screamo also will get its will get its day. <laughs> so when you were looking at the genres you kind of mentioned that it's it was an interesting story. Was there anything why what made it different or or interesting from the other genres in that book uh which one emo emo Uh, yeah i mean aside from i i think it's really the narrative of 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 the genre's lifespan I, i i don't know of anything any other genre that's like on an official fourth wave or exactly that stuck around like that or yeah. went away and then other kids latch onto it and then it pops it's just yeah it's, other genres that have come back have kind of gone away for a while and come back once and now they're and now they're kind of back that that se- that seems to be the trajectory of a lot of genres there's sort of the phases of you know the the germ of it mm-hmm. the popularity of it the kind of going away you know the fad dies down and then only after time you know like like folk rock or like these things that eventually became you know then it becomes a common part of of, of the dialogue and then it just becomes a kind of music that people alternative play. yeah al- yeah alternative yeah P- yeah bands totally are like alt rock i'm just like okay sure yeah it, it didn't mean anything back then it, <laughs> yeah it didn't mean anything it re- back then. <laughs> I, if, if anything alt rock actually means more now i mean i think like now now you say alt rock you're like oh okay so you sound like smashing pumpkins yeah or yeah or something like that it's like okay I fleming lips that. or yeah Whereas, yeah, back then anything was all rock. So, it, it, if anything, it has a more concise definition now, which is that's interesting really- on the time again. Yeah, I love that. The I never thought your time will. You're right. It'll it'll set the genre free at some point. It'll it'll either set it free or, or harden it or it'll but but almost all of them have like changed given given time, which is why I think yeah, it's like yeah, just give give chill wave some time. Like I yeah. <laughs> It's, no, I'm serious because you know we all. You know, it was funny. It's a, you know, it a, it a funny term. Uh, some of the music I thought was great. You know, some of it, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, too much hype to, uh, at, at once, and no. And then everyone was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to be associated. I yeah. don't want to be associated with that anymore. But I swear that there there were, you know, you and me were you know went through it or whatever. But there were you know ten year old kids reading reading about that on the internet they're now going to college like 
you know, give them a few more years. This is it's it's a real thing to them, you know. Just like grunge was a real thing to me. Like grunge wasn't a real thing to like you know yeah. everyone. Uh, none, of, you know, none of, just like folk rock wasn't a real thing to everyone, or you know, some all these things are sort of like you know at the time there were people like ah, you're just making that up or whatever. So I, I guarantee, like in ten years, people will be talking about chill wave as if it was an actual fully legit genre just like anything else that's amazing and it also comes from the you know the things that are out there what mm-hmm. books what what things have been said what magazines what videos what it's it's interesting to see what content from a genre is around for someone to mm-hmm. and it's not always wiki you know wiki i find a lot of issues with and there's the things that i think i mean it's obviously crowdsourced but mm-hmm. i think there's it's it's interesting to see what information is out there for someone to gleam about and it's i was just talking to somebody earlier about the 90s and they were telling me that there's a bunch of cds they had to buy because the label was defunct before streaming no one had put it up online and it was like x y but it's like there's stuff that's lost too that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. needs to be constantly sort of thought about to put back into the air for people to catch Mm mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I go digging for records that aren't on sites or YouTube all the time because I'll, I'll remember them and then I'll look at my shelves and be like, okay, great, I lost that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like okay, and it's not on any of these services, and it's like, gosh, that was a good that was a good record. Like that needs to. But be that's lost for a kid that just got into music. He just got Spotify. He starts going down the chill wave zone, yeah. and there isn't that one record that you know is a piece of the history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not going to know about about that. Uh, she's not going to know about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. These things get lost, and the and the representative bands can, can change over time too. I mean, a band that's the most uh, a band that is like most popular or representative of a genre at at one point can can totally change over time. Uh, and people's understanding of what that genre is like, oh, this band embodies that sound. But then, you know, flash forward five, ten years later, it could be a totally different band that embodies this. Yeah, you know, just people's understanding of it can can totally change i mean that's i mean that's another you know with um you know with the fourth generation uh thing with with emo and the and uh the influence of of american football just those guys were tiny back then they played to 12 people yeah oh sorry they played 12 shows and the (laughs) shows to like one person there was no one i mean mike and all those guys said no one was at the shows yeah I, I mean, I mean, I was. That's a, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was aware of them. You know, I remember seeing an ad for the album in Punk Planet, and we were just sort of like, "Oh yeah, look at that! Like the typography looks like the other, uh, you know, emo albums." So like, okay, cool. And then like, you know, and I remember getting it and being like, "Oh, it's pretty good." You know, like, but then it wasn't like they they to me were just like kind of off to the. Side I had it on the thing. shelf. They were not. They were not. You know, that was not my understanding of like this is what emo core is to me. You know, like. And my my vision of it was broad, but there were you know there were the big guys at the time, you know, and and now it's like that what they were doing is now the that is the understood style of how you play that kind of music. Yeah, you know, like if you do that, that's yeah yeah you know, that's that's emo, and that wasn't necessarily the same. So that has totally changed. You're right. Yeah, because I put it on a shelf. I was like, okay, cool. Honestly, it's cool. Like I'm not like never meant right, anyway. Back to Promise Ring or back to whatever I was listening to. Yeah, and. I loved it. I liked it, but it wasn't. I didn't. You're right. I did no clue mm-hmm. that there were going to be kids on Reddit and people everywhere. Not kids, but people 
like obsessing about it and sharing it and buying it. And whenever I talk, I talked to Matt from Polyvinyl about it, mm-hmm. and he told me when he, they started seeing like the sales, yeah, and the streams and the like. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it's got to be weird. Yeah, for them. yeah. Like what happened? Like, but why? that, but that's another piece I think about. Like the thing in the air. Mm-hmm. Like that record was in the air, and people were, mm-hmm. you know, pulling it down. Um, uh, somehow. Yeah, well, it's like we all, you know, we all look at, you know, we we all think Nick Drake as as the embodiment of this certain kind of like you know English baroque folk music. But you know the the reality was those records were barely released at the time. They were ignored by the label. They were ignored by major audiences. Like at the time, he had you know passed away in like relative, uh, if not if not absolute, like obscurity. You know, but but you know people growing up now with the Volkswagen commercials that was like twenty years ago that Volkswagen commercial and people so, are still yeah so so twenty you know twenty years ago Volkswagen kind of like came along and made him you know made him this thing so now people's general understanding is like oh yeah Nick Drake he's a total legend but like that guy was not you know, for, he yeah for what years. genre he was a part of yeah was not connected was, to was it not, and now he is connected to it and same thing with like Vashti Bunyan and and that and that record you know like it's now it's like this massively influential record but at the time it was you know barely came out she she went and lived a rural life for decades and yeah yeah so these things they they change with that yeah and then all of a sudden the right person finds them and then they get some kind of release and it's cool that i think this opens up a lot of those doors because the book because you're able to then process them and see the connections and be able to think about maybe your personal experience with it and Mm -hmm. adding to it yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's definitely the hope. The hope is definitely like just get a conversation going either among people or just in your own head like reading the book and kind of yeah, kind of spark like, oh yeah, what about this band? And know oh, that time that, you know, from from my youth or like this genre and like, oh yeah, what about these guys? And then you kind of like any anything that gets you like going back and like looking for stuff like that is great. Is that what your hope is? Yeah, I I really just you know, the the idea is to communicate that kind of thing to 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 as many people uh, as possible, and just sort of get people, uh, you know, to kind of to kind of listen to music with with uh, kind of an open mind and and kind of dig into these corners and you know uh, under under you know approaching it from from a genre thing, kind of understanding like how it's you know that's a good platform that's useful, and then you know kind of going from beyond there and then. And then where you know how how much is it useful for, and then at what point do you kind of like just be like, okay, cool, that's great, but then you know it doesn't really totally matter because all these things are you know because yeah, bands are like you know I I don't make X kind of I, th- I think a lot of a lot of the genre thing I th- I want I wonder sometimes if bands would be less irritated if we stopped applying genre to to bands and just maybe said like like songs or genre you know because like. I, I think a, a band might be like, yeah, maybe they'll write like seventy percent of this kind of song, but then like they'll write some ballads or something like that, or the album, right, right, and and then they'll be like, well, I don't want to be defined, like, well, I'm not just this kind of band, I because we do this kind of song, whereas like the public is like, well, you're this kind of band because of the you know the preponderance of evidence or whatever it is, you know, seventy percent of what you do is this, so so you're that, yeah. So if but that would be, I don't know how we could just all agree <laughs> that songs are genre and bands are not, but I think bands would be less irritated if you just were like 
didn't yeah if you're like yeah you write that kind of song and that kind of song but then but then i don't know how that would be useful to people to find it so that exactly yeah the discovery part would be hard again yeah and and discovery is like the most important or not the most but like it's really one of the most important things about music you know it it, it's really you know the 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 excitement that you get from finding a new band is you know it's it's i still get that high. high yeah it's a total high yeah so that's it's gr- still totally possible. Yeah. 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 And what anything else that you're doing next or what I know you're doing a bunch of promo for this and uh anything else that you're excited about? Uh you know, yeah, I'm working working on an idea for for the next book, but yeah, I'm just kind of kicking around some ideas. Cool. Nothing nothing solid yet. Uh yeah, just just trying to write about bands I love and and get the word out there about the book and you know, see where it goes. <laughs> 